Chapter 10. Polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. The Kybalion. The great fourth hermetic principle, the principle of polarity, embodies the truth that all manifested things have two sides, two aspects, two poles, a pair of opposites, with manifold degrees between the two extremes. The old paradoxes which have ever perplexed the mind of men are explained by an understanding of this principle. Man has always recognized something akin to this principle and has endeavored to express it by such sayings, maxims, and aphorisms as the following. Everything is and isn't at the same time. All truths are but half-truths. Every truth is half-false. There are two sides to everything. There is a reverse side to every shield, etc., etc., The hermetic teachings are to the effect that the difference between things seemingly diametrically opposed to each other is merely a matter of degree. It teaches that the pairs of opposites may be reconciled, and that thesis and antithesis are identical in nature, but different in degree, and that the universal reconciliation of opposites is effected by a recognition of this principle of polarity. The teachers claim the illustrations of this principle may be had on every hand and from an examination into the real nature of anything. They begin by showing that spirit and matter are but two poles of the same thing, the intermediate planes being merely degrees of vibration. They show that the all and the many are the same, the difference being merely a matter of degree of mental manifestation. Thus the law and laws are the two opposite poles of one thing. Likewise, principle and principles, infinite mind and finite minds. Then passing on to the physical plane, they illustrate the principle by showing that heat and cold are identical in nature, the differences being merely a matter of degrees. The thermometer shows many degrees of temperature, the lowest pole being called cold and the highest heat. Between these two poles are many degrees of heat or cold. Call them either and you are equally correct. The higher of two degrees is always warmer, while the lower is always colder. There is no absolute standard, all is a matter of degree. There is no place on the thermometer where heat ceases and cold begins. It is all a matter of higher or lower vibrations. The very terms high and low, which we are compelled to use, are but poles of the same thing the terms are relative. So with east and west, travel around the world in an eastward direction and you reach a point which is called west at your starting point and you return from that westward point. Travel far enough north and you will find yourself traveling south or vice versa. 
Light and darkness are poles of the same thing, with many degrees between them. The musical scale is the same. Starting with C, you move upward until you reach another C, and so on. The differences between the two ends of the board being the same, with many degrees between the two extremes. The scale of color is the same higher and lower vibrations being the only difference between high violet and low red. Large and small are relative. So are noise and quiet. Hard and soft follow the rule. Likewise, sharp and dull. Positive and negative are two poles of the same thing with countless degrees between them. Good and bad are not absolute. We call one end of the scale good and the other bad or one end good and the other evil according to the use of the terms. A thing is less good than the thing higher in the scale, but that less good thing in turn is more good than the thing next below it, and so on. The more or less being regulated by the position on the scale. And so it is on the mental plane, love and hate are generally regarded as being things diametrically opposed to each other, entirely different, unreconcilable. But we apply the principle of polarity. We find that there is no such thing as absolute love or absolute hate, as distinguished from each other. The two are merely terms applied to the two poles of the same thing, Beginning at any point of the scale, we find more love or less hate as we ascend the scale, and more hate or less love as we descend, this being true no matter from what point, high or low, we may start. There are degrees of love and hate, and there is a middle point where like and dislike become so faint that it is difficult to distinguish between them. Courage and fear come under the same rule. The pairs of opposites exist everywhere. Where you find one thing, you find its opposite, the two poles. And it is this fact that enables the Hermetists to transmute one mental state into another, along the lines of polarization. Things belonging to different classes cannot be transmuted into each other, but things of the same class may be changed, that is, may have their polarity changed. Thus love never becomes east or west, or red or violet, but it may and often does turn into hate, or likewise hate may be transformed into love by changing its polarity. Courage may be transmuted into fear and the reverse. Hard things may be rendered soft, dull things become sharp, hot things become cold, and so on. The transmutation always being between things of the same kind of different degrees. Take the case of a fearful man. By raising his mental vibrations along the line of fear, courage, he can be filled with the highest degree of courage and fearlessness. And likewise, a slothful man may change himself into an active, energetic individual simply by polarizing along the lines of the desired quality. The student who is familiar with the processes by which the various schools of mental science, etc., produce changes in the mental states of those following their teachings may not readily understand the principle underlying many of these changes. 
when, however, the principle of polarity is once grasped and it is seen that the mental changes are occasioned by a change of polarity, a sliding along the scale, the hatter is readily understood. The change is not in the nature of a transmutation of one thing into another thing entirely different, but is merely a change of degree in the same things, a vastly important difference. For instance, borrowing an apology from the physical plane, it is impossible to change heat into sharpness, loudness, highness, etc., but heat may readily be transmuted into cold simply by lowering the vibrations. In the same way hate and love are mutually transmutable, so are fear and courage. But fear cannot be transformed into love, nor can courage be transmuted into hate. The mental states belong to innumerable classes, each class of which has its opposite poles, along which transmutation is possible. The student will readily recognize that in the mental states, as well as in the phenomena of the physical plane, the two poles may be classified as positive and negative respectively. Thus, love is positive to hate, courage to fear, activity to non-activity, etc., etc., and it will also be noticed that even to those unfamiliar with the principle of vibration, the positive pole seems to be of a higher degree than the negative and readily dominates it. The tendency of nature is in the direction of the dominant activity of the positive role. In addition to the changing of the poles of one's own mental states by the operation of the art of polarization, the phenomena of mental influence in its manifold phases shows us that the principle may be extended so as to embrace the phenomena of the influence of one mind over that of another, of which so much has been written and taught of late years. When it is understood that mental induction is possible, that is, that mental states may be produced by induction from others, then we can readily see how a certain rate of vibration or polarization of a certain mental state may be communicated to another person, and his polarity in that class of mental states thus changed. It is along this principle that the results of many of the mental treatments are obtained. For instance, a person is blue, melancholy, and full of fear. A mental scientist bringing his own mind up to the desired vibration by his trained will and thus obtaining the desired polarization in his own case then produces a similar mental state in the other by induction. The result being that the vibrations are raised and the person polarizes toward the positive end of the scale instead toward the negative and his fear and other negative emotions are transmuted to courage in similar positive mental states. A little study will show you that these mental changes are nearly all along the line of polarization, the change being one of degree rather than of kind. A knowledge of the existence of this great hermetic principle will enable the student to better understand his own mental states and those of other people. 
he will see that these states are all matter of degree and seeing thus, he will be able to raise or lower the vibration at will, to change his mental poles, and thus be master of his mental states, instead of being their servant and slave. And by his knowledge, he will be able to aid his fellows intelligently and by the appropriate methods, change the polarity when the same is desirable. We advise all students to familiarize themselves with this principle of polarity for a correct understanding of the same will throw light on many difficult subjects. Chapter 10. Rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. The Kybalion. The great fifth hermetic principle, the principle of rhythm, embodies the truth that in everything there is manifested a measure of motion and to and from movement, a flow and inflow, a swing forward and backward, a pendulum-like movement, a tide-like ebb and flow, a high tide and a low tide. Between the two poles manifest on the physical, mental, or spiritual planes. The principle of rhythm is closely connected with the principle of polarity described in the preceding chapter. Rhythm manifests between the two poles established by the principle of polarity. This does not mean, however, that the pendulum of rhythm swings to the extreme poles, for this rarely happens. In fact, it is difficult to establish the extreme polar opposites in the majority of cases. But the swing is ever toward first one pole and then the other. There is always an action and reaction, an advance and a retreat, a rising and sinking, manifested in all of the airs and phenomena of the universe, suns, worlds, men, animals, plants, minerals, forces, energy, mind, and matter, yes, even spirit, manifests this principle. The principle manifests in the creation and destruction of worlds, in the rise and fall of nations, in the life history of all things, and finally in the mental states of man, beginning with the manifestations of spirit of the all, it will be noticed that there is ever the outpouring and the indrawing, the outbreathing and inbreathing of Brahm, as the Brahmins worded it. Universes are created, reach their extreme low point of materiality, and then begin in their upward swing. Suns spring into being and then their height of power being reached. The process of retrogression begins and after aeons they become dead masses of matter, awaiting another impulse which starts again their inner energies into activity and a new solar life cycle is begun. And thus it is with all the worlds. They are born, grow, and die only to be reborn. And thus it is with all the things of shape and form. They swing from action to reaction, from birth to death, from activity to inactivity, and then back again. 
Thus it is with all living things. They are born, grow, and die, and then are reborn. So it is with all great movements, philosophies, creeds, fashions, governments, nations, and all else birth, growth, maturity, decadence, death, and then new birth. The swing of the pendulum is ever in evidence. Night follows day and day night. The pendulum swings from summer to winter and then back again. The corpuscules, atoms, molecules, and all masses of matter swing around the circle of their nature. There is no such thing as absolute rest or cessation from movement, and all movement partakes of rhythm. The principle is of universal application. It may be applied to any question or phenomena of any of the many planes of life. It may be applied to all phases of human activity. There is always the rhythmic swing from one pole to the other. The universal pendulum is ever in motion. The tides of life flow in and out according to law. The principle of rhythm is well understood by modern science and is considered a universal law as applied to material things, but the Hermetists carry the principle much further and know that its manifestations and influence extend to the mental activities of man and that it accounts for the bewildering succession of moods, feelings, and other annoying and perplexing changes that we notice in ourselves. But the Hermetists, by studying the operations of this principle, have learned to escape some of its activities by transmutation. The Hermetic Masters long since discovered that while the principle of rhythm was invariable and ever in evidence in mental phenomena, still there were two planes of its manifestation so far as mental phenomena are concerned. They discovered that there were two general planes of consciousness, the lower and the higher, the understanding of which fact enabled them to rise to the higher plane and thus escape the swing of the rhythmic pendulum which manifested in the lower plane. In other words, the swing of the pendulum occurred in the unconscious plane and the consciousness was not affected. This they call the law of neutralization. Its operations consist in the raising of the ego above the vibrations of the unconscious plane of mental activity so that the negative swing of the pendulum is not manifested in the consciousness and therefore they are not affected. It is akin to rising above a thing and letting it pass beneath you. The hermetic master or advanced student polarizes himself at the desired pole and by a process akin to refusing to partake in the backward swing or, if you prefer, a denial of its influence over him, he stands firm in his polarized position and allows the mental pendulum to swing back along the unconscious plane. All individuals who have attained any degree of self-mastery accomplish this, more or less unknowingly and by refusing to allow their moods and negative mental states to affect them. They apply the law of neutralization. The master, however, carries this to a much higher degree of proficiency 
and by the use of his will he attains a degree of poise and mental firmness almost impossible of belief on the part of those who allow themselves to be swung backward and forward by the mental pendulum of moods and feelings. The importance of this will be appreciated by any thinking person who realizes what creatures of moods feelings and emotion the majority of people are, and how little mastery of themselves they manifest. If you will stop and consider a moment, you will realize how much these swings of rhythm have affected you in your life, how a period of enthusiasm has been invariably followed by an opposite feeling and mood of depression. Likewise, your moods and periods of courage have been succeeded by equal moods of fear, and so it has ever been with the majority of persons. Tides of feelings have ever risen and fallen with them, but they have never suspected the cause or reason of the mental phenomena. An understanding of the workings of this principle will give one the key to the mastery of these rhythmic swings of feeling and will enable him to know himself better and to avoid being carried away by these inflows and outflows. The will is superior to the conscious manifestation of this principle, although the principle itself can never be destroyed. We may escape its effects, but the principle operates nevertheless. The pendulum ever swings, although we may escape being carried along with it. There are other features of the operation of this principle of rhythm of which we wish to speak at this point. There comes into its operation that which is known as the law of compensation. One of the definitions or meanings of the word compensate is to counterbalance, which is the sense in which the Hermetists use the term. It is this law of compensation to which the Kaibalian refers when it says, The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. The law of compensation is that the swing in one direction determines the swing in the opposite direction, or to the opposite pole the one balances, or counterbalances the other. On the physical plane, we see many examples of this law. The pendulum of the clock swings a certain distance to the right, and then an equal distance to the left. The seasons balance each other in the same way. The tides follow the same law, and the same law is manifested in all the phenomena of rhythm. The pendulum, with a short swing in one direction, has but a short swing in the other, while the long swing to the right invariably measures the long swing to the left. An object hurled upward to a certain height has an equal distance to traverse on its return. The force with which a projectile is sent upward a mile is reproduced when the projectile returns to the earth on its return journey. This law is constant on the physical plane as reference to the standard authorities will show you. But the Hermetists carry it still further. They teach that a man's mental states are subject to the same law. The man who enjoys keenly is subject to keen suffering. While he who feels but little pain is capable of feeling but little joy, the pig suffers but little mentally and enjoys but little, he is compensated. 
And on the other hand, there are other animals who enjoy keenly, but whose nervous organism and temperament cause them to suffer exquisite degrees of pain, and so it is with man. There are temperaments which permit of but low degrees of enjoyment and equally low degrees of suffering, while there are others which permit the most intense enjoyment but also the most intense suffering. The rule is that the capacity for pain and pleasure in each individual are balanced. The law of compensation is in full operation here. But the Hermetists go still further in this matter. They teach that before one is able to enjoy a certain degree of pleasure, he must have swung as far proportionately toward the other pole of feeling. They hold, however, that the negative is precedent to the positive in this matter. That is to say that in experiencing a certain degree of pleasure, it does not follow that he will have to pay for it with a corresponding degree of pain. On the contrary, the pleasure is the rhythmic swing. According to the law of compensation, for a degree of pain previously experienced either in the present life or in a previous incarnation. This throws a new light on the problem of pain. The Hermetists regard the chain of lives as continuous and as forming a part of one life of the individual, so that in consequence the rhythmic swing is understood in this way. While it would be without meaning unless the truth of reincarnation is admitted. But the Hermetists claim that the master or advanced student is able, to a degree, to escape the swing toward pain by the process of neutralization before mentioned, by rising on to the higher plane of the ego. Much of the experience that comes to those dwelling on the lower plane is avoided and escaped. The law of compensation plays an important part in the lives of men and women. It will be noticed that one generally pays the price of anything he possesses or lacks. If he has one thing, he lacks another. The balance is struck. No one can keep his penny and have the bit of cake. At the same time, everything has its pleasant and unpleasant sides. The things that one gains are always paid for by the things that one loses. The rich possess much that the poor lack, while the poor often possess things that are beyond the reach of the rich. The millionaire may have the inclination toward feasting and the wealth wherewith to secure all the dainties and luxuries of the table, while he lacks the appetite to enjoy the same. He envies the appetite and digestion of the laborer who lacks the wealth and inclinations of the millionaire, and who gets more pleasure from his plain food than the millionaire could obtain even if his appetite were not jaded, nor his digestion ruined, for the wants, habits, and inclinations differ. And so it is through life. The law of compensation is ever in operation. Striving to balance and counterbalance and always succeeding in time, even though several lives may be required for the return swing of the pendulum of rhythm.